You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Hey, and welcome back to Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. This week, I'm joined, as usual, by Wes and Brooks. Wes, how are you today? I am fantastic. Thank you, Spencer. It's a brand new year. It's always great. And Brooks, how are you? Great. I'm doing fantastic, Wes. I'm uh, I'm training a uh, 12-week-old puppy, so that is exciting. And by training a 12-week-old puppy, do you really mean that the 12-week-old puppy is training you? You have seen through my facade, yes. I'm <laughs> trained to take the puppy out whenever it needs to go to the bathroom. That's right. <laughs> and it works 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I keep yeah. my wet-dry back handy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and we just uh, learned a fun fact before we hit record that Tilly and Teddy share a birthday. They do, so, absolutely. Yeah. So. so if you're if you're listening at home and taking notes, which I know you are, Tilly is Brooks's dog, and Teddy is our uh, newest son. So October twenty first, if you want to shower us with presents, you know. Yeah. Brooks will drop his address in the show notes so you can send all the puppy toys his way. Dog goes through puppy toys like crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And coincidentally, since we're talking about birthdays, today is actually my birthday. So this week is well, I know. Yeah, we're talking all about Tilly when really it's all about me. All about you. Yeah. Drop your address in the show notes and I'll send you a gift. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Sounds like just the three of us are going to be sending gifts to each other and everyone listening. (laughs) But no, this week is uh, a fun week for me personally, because I just launched my first book on Tuesday and then got my birthday today. So it doesn't always happen. And kind of a funny story on that. I was talking to the, the book publisher and I said, hey, maybe if we just wait three more days, we could launch the book on my birthday. You know, it's only three days away because they gave me the, the 19th date. And uh, they said, nope, Tuesdays are better. So I was like, all right, we'll okay. do Tuesdays. So yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like a creative marketing thing, <laughs> but yeah, right. got what's shut. The, uh, what's the title of the book, Ben? It is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Oh, that's so. nice. I wish you'd written it earlier when I was still in the remodeling business. But thanks for waiting. Yeah. Well, that was kind of what we were going to talk about today is the reason it really came to existence is because of where where kind of this whole journey started. And it was actually kind of the the intersection of all three businesses that we had going on at the time. It was kind of that 2009, 2010 timeframe. And at the time I had just started, I had just gotten out of college and was trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. So naturally I was on the internet, just Googling a bunch of stuff. And 
real player, you're living through Oasis, this real player one. You're like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then every once in a while looking up, you know, hmm, is there any, anything, any jobs out there maybe that I could apply for? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, and they weren't. Yeah. So uh, as it turns out, I had to just kind of start my own thing. <laughs> so, but I, I started, I don't know, just bumping into different articles and trends and themes and it, it was right around that time when Facebook business pages were kind of the hot new thing. They had just rolled those out. You know, Facebook was just personal at the time. And so I said, oh, it looks like people are starting to use social media for business and maybe I can figure that out. But Brooks, that was about the time that I started working with you to kind of figure out Facebook, Twitter, and blogging. But then same with you, Wes. And so maybe, Wes, you can go back in time a little bit and kind of explain like what was going on with your business at the time. And we'll kind of meander through this and see how, like how, how all this came together and ended up yeah, working out. Yeah, kind of a mismatch. So, yeah. uh, well, I think from, you know, from my perspective, obviously we had the big, you know, the great recession that started in, uh, you know, 08. Why do they call that a great recession? I didn't feel it was very great. No, I know. Yeah, Why do we call it the terrible recession? You know, I think my great thing in magnitude. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we could submit a new name for that one. I'd like to submit a new name because it wasn't really great for us. You know. No, no, like, it wasn't. Like, it wasn't the name the hurricanes. Our, like, can't yeah. we name the recessions? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Wes. Go ahead. I, I kind of think about the great yeah. recessions. Maybe like the forest fire that burned everything down, and now new growth can come up through that. Okay. And, uh, so. Yeah, definitely. You know, we had just come off, you know, in 07, our biggest year ever in our business. In that time, you know, I had a direct mail business, just direct mail processing, and we we're processing a lot of mail, you know, 30 million pieces a year or so. But with the crash, our business started to tick down pretty rapidly. And as it happens lots of times with business, you know, when you when you're coming off a high point, it takes you a little bit of time to realize. Oh, something's going on here. So we started to see our business decline and, and we started adding some different services a little bit here and there. Oh, should we do some printing, you know, since we do mailing and, you know, should we try to do a little design work? And our philosophy had always been coming, you know, from the, the prior owner, um, just that, hey, we had all the customers we need, you know, things are great. It's, uh, we don't really need to do anything. So I was very... I bought into that mindset, I guess, <laughs> after a while. And and when you are coming off of your you know your biggest year, it does take you a little bit of time. But about well, I mean, at that point, you you feel like, well, I've got this all figured out, and I've got it all figured out. All and the work I've done I, is coming yeah. together. Here we're just we're peaking it, we're really <laughs> killing it, and yep. not realizing that you know it's the economy, stupid. That's what's right. carrying you along, right? You know? Well, the funny thing is this is my second time through that. You know, I've done that with Brooks before where, uh, you know, early on we're like, man, we are, we are the greatest thing since sliced bread and we've got the system. We do three houses a month, you know, which is going to sound like small potatoes to some and big potatoes to others. But it's like we have the system and all we have to do is produce this stuff and yeah. you know, buyers will just show up and buy it. And then, you know, the first downturn that we had gone through hit, you know, in terms of being actual builders and we go, Oh, I guess we don't have it all figured out. But I guess back to the to the story, one thing that did happen is kind of a side note and Spence, this is probably yeah, you had probably just gotten out of school and we're doing what you were talking about, search on the internet. But from my side of the equation, 
I was busy working with my sister, Heidi, and we were on the side, we were overseeing the rebuilding of the websites for two of our retirement communities. And so Heidi and I were working together on that. We were working with an agency in Seattle and it was God awful expensive. And we got these proposals and these bills. And on one of the proposals, it had this thing that said, uh, social media add-on, you know, social media add-on. And they had this huge price tag next to it. And it was like, well, set up your Facebook page and we'll set up this and we'll do that. You know, we'll, we'll set up a blog for you. And, but it was this huge number. And I think Spencer, I pitched that over to you at the time and said, Hey, take a look at this, you know? And, and I think, cause it, to me is like, Oh, there's some money to be made. You know, there's some sort of a market there for that kind of stuff. I didn't know how it would impact us as a direct mail company at that time. But to go on with the story, I guess in 10, Spencer, you had started your social media company, Powell Social Media. And Karen and I had gone to a conference in California. Um, we hadn't gone to a direct mail conference in a number of years with our trade association. We said, well, things are changing. We better go and see what's going on. We get there and it's the first time that Palm Desert had five days of rain in the middle of January. Oh yeah. A foreshadowing moment of <laughs> the next several years. It's kind of like that ride in Disneyland, you know, where you go up the log ride and, and the characters are all super happy at the bottom. By the time you get to the top, you know, the little bunny rabbit's going, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and then you go down the log flume. And uh, that's kind of what it felt like driving out to Palm Springs in the rain and we're going past wrecked trucks on the side of the road. We get out there. First day of the conference, the economist uh, comes out and gives us the opening keynote and basically says, well, our industry is going to be dead. You know, so, <laughs> nice. oh, okay, well, guess I'll enjoy Palm Springs in the rain for the next couple of three days. But that was the big takeaway. He put up some graphs that showed that really what had happened is there was this convergence. So this convergence of the downturn in the economy. So people didn't have as much money to spend on marketing. And then the convergence of technology on the other side, which is we'd hit critical mass with email, social media had started to really come to the forefront. And you put those two things together, which is we have very expensive media, like buying prints and newspaper and all that. We have what seems like relatively inexpensive media coming over here on the technical, technological side. And it's just a recipe for cataclysmic change within your industry. So anyway, we walked out of that conference and said, well, we have to rebrand the company. We have to change everything we're doing. And that's really where we, we started on that. And then Spencer, you came on shortly thereafter. We had some discussions and like, well, I need to do something totally different. And you're like, and I can give you some help with that. Just, I don't know anything about it, but I can help because I have a business structure that we could incubate within. And we can talk about that whole process in a little bit, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, but, uh, that's that's kind of how we got going. And, and uh, we definitely struggled and worked and tried to make some changes in the business. And I would like to talk about that at some point, not the specific changes, but just that idea of transformation and change and how that relates you know, to everyone's businesses. Yeah, yeah. And, let, and let's get to that in a second, because I want to track along with the timeline for people listening. We'll loop in how, how we got to Brooks. 
Because I think this, like looking back on it, is kind of an interesting, you know, combination of, you know, the three different businesses that we had going on and then the changes in the economy and the, the big shifts that were happening at the time when we were in it. I don't know that, you know, maybe some of us saw different parts of it, you know, but we didn't necessarily see what was going on. You're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and trying to, to move forward. So, Timeline wise, it was like end of 2009. I was like, hey, I'm going to start this social media business. And pretty much, you know, friends and family clients were first couple of clients. So you guys, I started setting up Facebook pages and Twitter accounts, which, you know, I quickly realized didn't take that long. I don't know what this ad agency was, you know, pitching out in Seattle, but um, yeah, magic, social media magic at the time. I think a lot of people did sell it on that. It was like, because it was so new. And then I do remember I was in Seattle at the time. And then uh, Wes, you must have come out, I don't know, maybe for a board meeting or something, but we were talking and you had just gotten back from that conference. I remember you just saying, yep, it Direct mail went off a cliff. Like I got to go back and rebrand the company and we're going to make some changes. And I was kind of sharing what I was doing. And it just was like, well, maybe if we just kind of tag team and figure this out together, that could be a shift in, you know, direct mail marketing, like moving online and just shifting the, the marketing. And then from that point forward, we did a lot of just testing and, you know, Pearls was kind of one of the things like personalized URLs and combining direct mail with email and landing pages. And it never really, you know, worked that well. But then it was around August that we partnered with HubSpot and they had a nice software tool that kind of combined this whole like digital methodology. And I remember Brooks, I'm curious because I remember doing this like mock sales call. We had just gone through some training with HubSpot and they're like, yeah, you can kind of like package some services this way. And you know, this is how you analyze a website and this is how you can provide a solution. We were kind of in the early stages of figuring that out. And, that, and then our partner over there, G2, he said, well, why don't you just reach out to some friends and family and do some practice sales calls just to like analyze a website and ask these questions. And so we're like, okay. And so we got on the call with you, Brooks. And do, do you remember anything about that call? Or do you remember that call? I <laughs> were talking about that yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I kind of remember that call, but you know, Everything in our company was just a you know freaking disaster. You know we've been for us it was like year three of the of the recession. We were one. You know we went from building fifty houses a year. And I think that year we built three. You know so we were in desperate straits, desperate straits in our you know real estate portfolio was in the, had devalued by seventy percent. We're upside down with the banks and. You know, so I remember, you know, I remember now after we talked about like, oh yeah, we did that call. I remember where I was sitting and our websites were pretty static at the time. You know, we knew we had to do something differently and we were deciding to go. We decided to go in the remodeling business, but I didn't know how to get leads or, um, and I had a sale and I knew I had to get leads first to be able to go into the business and, but didn't know how to do it. So it's kind of, I think the timing ended up being pretty good because we were at the, we had just hit the point where like yeah we got to do something i mean we've been we're trying to do different stuff but everything failed you know every you know the the credit markets were locked up you know couldn't get financing to build anything people couldn't get financing to buy anything and you know we had come off a good year just like you know in 89 when west and i came off a good year went into a you know a bad year in 90 and 91 you're like hmm what did we do wrong there so we come off 06, our biggest year ever. And 07 was bad. 08 was worse. 09 was 
worser. That's a new word I developed. <laughs> and, uh, it makes sense, though. I see what yeah, you did there. Right. And, then, <laughs> and so by 10, you know, we didn't even know if we were going to make it. So, yeah, so when we had that call, you know, I was uh, fertile ground for, you know, you, you know, you could have thrown me any lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll grab that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't remember a lot of the detail of the call, except that it was like, uh, okay, that sounds good to me. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I remember about that call too, Brooke. So, you know, Spencer and I went through the whole thing and we analyzed the website and talked about that. And you're like, well, what do you think of the sales call? And you know, you're like, well, uh, I'm ready to sign up. Where do I sign? <laughs> We're going, wow, our first sale. I know. <laughs> first sale is a practice one too. But y'all, you know, I'm an early adapter, so I'm always a yes. good to do that with because I'm like, yeah, that sounds good, you know. Yeah. And and I think, you know, for me, it was funny because I had zero sales training at that point, you know, just was getting into all this. I knew a little bit, probably just just more than you, Brooks, but not, you know, not enough, um, really. But HubSpot had this kind of like script that they'd walk you through. And so they had done a good job of outlining like questions to ask and pointing things out on the website. And the one thing I remember is the whole idea was to, you know, incite pain, basically like pull that out. And so, you know, which makes sense. Like that's what you're doing on a sales call. And so I'm just asking questions like, have you thought about this? Or, you know, why did you do it this way? And and I just remember you kind of like steaming there and you're like, I don't know. Like, and then, so by the time we get to the end, you're like, yeah, just fix it. Like, let's <laughs> like, I need better keywords and all, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and so. I think also because it's been so bad. Yeah. And then, and realizing I'm like, shit, I probably lost two years here. And not right. getting that support from our previous web, you know, and our previous company was a web design company and that, and they did a fantastic job with that, but they hadn't adapted, you know, they were probably a little bit behind the power curve too. I mean, they have since gone on and become a great, you know, agency company out here in Seattle and, you know, but they weren't, you know, builders were one of the things they did. They did a lot of stuff for public entities and, you know, we're a small account, but man, when we broke up with them, oh, they were not happy. Yeah. They were not happy. Yeah, it was, and I think Spence, we were, you know, you were involved in that, and it was like, yeah, to, to to split the sheets with your your web company was very, it's very, it was very painful. I think even now it probably is. Um, we still bump into it. Yeah, it's it's definitely not every time, but yeah, there's a lot a lot of web companies built their business just on they build the site, but then they would host it, and so you just stack up right. all these hosting fees, right. and so and exactly if you wanted right. to break up, it was like. We're going yeah. a different direction, which oh, and they uh, and they made it super super painful. You know, it's like yeah. effectively, it's like yeah, fine, you can leave, go ahead, and start over. You know, yeah, or just kill your site off. And it, oh, so I know, it's, it's it's probably the equivalent now. It's like you call your financial advisor and say, hey, I'm moving from you, you know, paying you two points a year to Vanguard for two tenths of a point. I'm sure it yeah. probably doesn't go well. You know, yeah, <laughs> I'll find out in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let you know how that goes. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm curious, like, I know at the time you said just things were so bad, you probably would have done anything. But, you know, obviously with the internet coming on, you said you missed two years, but I th- you were still super early compared to well, most of like the industry. I missed two years because I'm an early adapter. And so right. I'm like, man, why were we not on this earlier? 
and it probably was nothing to be on really unless you were like the very first person yeah yeah you weren't on the bleeding edge but you're still on the cutting edge and we were bleeding quite a bit, actually. So I <laughs> Maybe you were on both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they, they, the key part and you know, the message to get out to everybody is however you're going to build your business, you have to build it through lead generation. And, you know, it, it, and lead generation will change. I mean, we're talking about how we generate leads today. It's going to be different five years from now. It'll be different 10 years from now. But you have to generate leads to generate business. Yeah, I, I can I agree change. with that more. I mean, I think a lot of businesses are built around the craft or whatever it is and doing that really well and executing that. But your lifeblood is leads. And, you know, just to back that up with the direct mail company, we never generated leads for ourselves, you know, to generate business. And by the time we thought, oh, we should do this, it really was too late for that industry and and that business. So I think that that's a great takeaway, Brooks, which is you have to be a sales driven you have to be a sales all the time or you just you will not make it you can just tell i get pretty passionate about that because i think most people do not re- recognize that and they run, we run into that on a regular basis which is if people don't reckon they're like well you know i'm i'm a great builder i'm a great remodeler i'm a great whatever we provide great care we provide great food that's all that's great so does everybody else yeah you right. have to generate leads and then you have to have some secret sauce for sure for why you're so passionate about why you're so great. So you still have to generate the lead. And I, you know, a shout out to uh, Rick Storley, who managed our sales for, you know, seven or eight years. And Rick was a sales, he's a sales coach, sales manager. When I first started talking to him, he came to a builder 20. We talked and, and it was, we were struggling. Same time we were talking about dispenser with the agency and, uh, He's like, hey, let's first generate the leads. And that really came at that same time. I had been to that Builder 20 in the spring of that year. And Rick's like, you got to start generating leads. And he didn't have a program for that. So talking to you guys, it's like, oh, here we go. I need leads. And that was a change for us to say, oh, we'll become a lead, a lead generator to for our sales. And we spent a year working with you, Spence, and before we had enough leads to hire a salesperson. Yeah, certainly took some time. And I'm kind of curious, you you made that shift to like, okay, I got to generate leads. But did you see something in the changing landscape of like why the internet was important? Or was it just at the time where you're just like, this seems new and I haven't tried it yet. So I'm going to go for it. Oh, or- we had no other way to generate leads because we've been a predominantly home building company. So we would build product, list it with realtors, sell it. And we're like very product centric, like, hey, here's our product. It's done. Let's sell it. Remodeling, when we had added custom homes and remodeling, we realized, oh, we have to get generate leads, cultivate leads to make a sale because we don't have anything to sell except our service. And so we had to build that service company around those leads. And so the internet seemed like a perfect way to do it versus, and I think we had been doing some big direct mail postcards with these big postcards that Wes had been doing for us yeah. through uh, TMR Direct, and we did that for a couple of years, and we recognized, you know, these are kind of working, but they were expensive, and then it's like, they're not working enough, and so that's where this idea of like, oh, the internet, we can hit a lot more people, and I still think in in a couple of the other businesses we're in, I think we're still ineffective. I still think we could do more. I still think we could be better at it. Um, Absolutely. To drive more more leads, because you 
if you're a lead driven company and you're and you're looking at your conversion ratios of sales, you know, so if you're a remodeler and you talk to 10 people and you convert one, okay, you got a 10% conversion. If you need, you know, do the math, you need, you know, 60 deals a year, you need 600 leads. Are you getting 600 leads? I don't think anybody does the math. If you just sit down and do the math, easiest sale in the world, which is, oh, I'm not getting enough leads. So, you know, first question always is, what's your conversion ratio? If you don't know that number, figure it out. You know how many leads you need, figure out how to get that many leads. And I think the great thing about the internet is you can then, you know, do that. Yeah. You know, very quickly, very effectively, and you can kind of turn it on, turn it off a little bit. And I still think, you know, some, some other things we're doing, we're still not doing enough. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. But I will say, Brooks, I mean, to your you say, well, yeah, we could always do more. You can always be better. You can always be sharper than your saw. Sure. But, but to point to the, I think, the really good results that you ended up having, you know, you went from I have, doing no remodeling business, and this is where I need to start because, I, you know, home sales are dead. Yeah, and dead. then to ramp, to ramp that up to, you know, between custom homes and, and uh, remodeling business, I think you guys got up to 10 or $12 million. We got up to $10 million in remodeling alone. Yeah, right. not even on the spec side. Which, which is really a phenomenal success. And yeah, I, that's with probably, you know, learning on the way and, you know, not doing everything perfectly. But you were willing to embrace the change, whether it was because of desperation or something else. But you're like, hey, I, I recognize I have to do something different. Yeah. And I think in business, that's one of the key takeaways is, hey, you have to be willing to embrace change. It doesn't mean that you're changing things willy-nilly all the time and there's kind of this chaos, but you have to have a broad enough view where you go, okay, this is this is pretty major. I'm gonna have to make I have to make changes or I won't I won't be successful, I won't succeed. And so your choice is I'm gonna go away or I'm gonna to change. And I think as business owners, our goal is to try to do that maybe a little bit faster and maybe have a better better uh, viewpoint about that, which is I got to recognize the change sooner. I need to have my eyes up. I need to be looking at the landscape. I need to be looking at what's going on nationally, locally. Are there big trends? I mean, I think that's a really valuable exercise is once a year, sit down with people, you know, and you know, your group and go, 
what's really changed between last year and this year? What are some big trends that we see coming down the road? Are any of those trends that are bad trends that are going to take us out or they're good trends? You know, like take a look at the pandemic right now. You got the pandemic and there was, you know, kind of a recession that went along with it. Not as bad as we thought it was going to be, but certainly that's changing, I think, permanently, maybe work habits and other things. So as a remodeler, you might be going, how do I change my product mix? What am I really offering to people? If you're a builder, you might be going, okay, what's the, the new type of product that's going to work well for a family where two people are working from home? You know, what's that neighborhood look like? All those types of things can really help you be out in front of it instead of just kind of dragging along the tail end. And- yeah, I think one of the, I agree, Wes, one of the great things I really respect about Bill Gates is he always takes, you know, one week or two weeks a year and goes away and he just reads for and that he just reads and reads all this stuff and he you know he's got these big piles of books and he consumes all this information and out of that comes some you know when he used to be the ceo of microsoft would come the directions that they would go and uh just because he's a deep thinker well you know i'm not a deep thinker at all you know i could hardly read a page but it's that idea that where you sit down and you quietly think and go through and try to figure out trends like you said talk to your Wes, like talk to people that you know in the business, you know, that's where the build, you know, the trade associations come in, you know, remodelers advantage, you know, builder 20, remodeler 20, whatever, where you can get input from other people. And in that group, there will be people that are forward thinkers. There'll be people that are backward thinkers too. They just kind of ignore them and try to get with the people that are thinking, oh yeah, well, here's some trends, here's like that, you know. Yeah. And that's a great point to your trade association. I'm certainly grateful to our trade association because they're the ones that opened my eyes, you know, very quickly to what was going on. And I would have seen it a little bit sooner, probably if I had been more involved a little bit earlier instead of going, Hey, you know, we're doing great. I don't need to pay that much attention to my trade association, but really that's your network. It's your information. It can be an information hub for you. So I I think that's a great point, Brooks. Yeah. And that was something I was just thinking about with both kind of both of your sides of this, this story was like, and I heard, I think it was Jay Abraham that made this comment, but he's like, once you have the knowledge, then if you don't act on it, th- like that's the foolish part. But if you, if you didn't have the knowledge, you know, like don't beat yourself up too hard. Like looking back in hindsight, maybe you could do different things to make sure you say, Hey, I want to expose myself to knowledge. But if you don't actually have it at the time, you can't act on it. But as soon as you guys got the knowledge, like you went to the trade show and I remember like it was within 30 days, you had rebranded new like collateral, new everything. You did an open house for, for going from the mailroom ink to TMR direct. And I, I always thought I was like, man, that was fast. You know? And, and it was like, you learned the information. You said, okay, I've got to move and you didn't delay. And then same for you, Brooks, you know, you had like, Oh, I got to do this. Like, go. And it was probably a little scary to start making that investment when things were really rough. But oh, yeah, I, think, I think the fact, <laughs> you know, the fast action, once you've got the knowledge, that was a takeaway for me. And so Wes, to just kind of build on what you were talking about, like right now we're in this pandemic, our industry has benefited or it has, uh, you know, had a good year overall last year, I think in talking to most people, but to your point, okay, what are the big shifts? What are the big trends that are happening in the home? Shift your product offering, move quickly. And if you're the first one that develops this 
baller home office setup or, you know, way of finishing basements or, you know, but things that are actually in line with the trend. And that's why I think, you know, Builder Funnel was really born was we we started in social media, but that was really because it was the start of a trend, which was businesses using social media and the internet to attract customers. But the reason was people were shopping and buying differently. They were actually going online to do research. And so that's the takeaway that I'm hearing from from you guys is like, try to identify the trend and then quickly move on it. And then you'll be one of those kind of like early adapters and you have, then you actually have more time to stumble your way through it a little bit and make some mistakes. And by the time most people get to that, you've already kind of got it systematized and you've got marketing around it and you're, you're moving. So anyway, that's kind of what I'm hearing. I agree, Spence. And I think one of the challenges is, is that if you got something that's working, you're like, yeah, it's kind of working. And uh, and I would, you know, I would challenge even you, Spence, you know, it's 11 years since you guys started. It's like, are you guys looking as Builder Funnel looking up and going, hmm, what are these trends? You know, because it's kind of working, right? And I challenge Wes and I for our other businesses, you know, what's working, what's not working versus being complacent. And being complacent is driven by you've got other partners like, yeah, it's all right. You know, we're making enough money. You know, why rock the boat? You know, why? And so, and that's, I forget what that word, that is some phrase that complacency is the enemy of something. Yeah, <laughs> the enemy of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, certainly good is the enemy of great over that one. Uh, right. Yeah. I think I'd like to build on that a little bit too, because when you do have something that's working, but maybe it starts to not work as well. One of the things that was really helpful to me at the time when we started transitioning out of direct mail and, and started a builder funnel, there was a article in Harvard Business Review at the time. And it talked about this idea of uh, you have a legacy business. So let's say you have a business that's been around forever. It's done really well. You know, maybe it's not doing as well. And you're looking out in front and you're going, man, I'm not sure whether this business is going to be viable long-term. Maybe I need to start looking at some other opportunities. So their idea was that you would keep your legacy business operating and try to make it as good as possible. But within that legacy business, you create a disruptive business. So, and that's really kind of what we ended up doing with what turned out to be Builder Funnel within our direct mail company. Spencer, when you came on, you said, okay, you know, you're like, I'm going to figure out a whole new business and we can incubate that business within an existing business. And then at the point where that business proves itself out, then you can go ahead and make a decision what you want to do with a legacy business. So you can say, well, the legacy business is still going along okay, we're going to keep it. Or you can say, well, no, we're going to need to cut that away because it's not going to survive. But now we have the lifeboat of the new disruptive business that's going to move us on into the future. So I think to Brooks's point, what he's really saying is, hey, once your disruptive business is successful, that really is now your legacy business. So what is your disruptive business going to be next? Go disrupt yourself again. Yes, go disrupt yourself again. And I think if you want to look at a really big example of that, that would be Netflix. Right. So Mm -hmm. think about Netflix. Their first thing was, well, we mail all these CDs or DVDs out to you in the mail. You know, you order three and then you got to return them. It's all direct mail driven. 
And I remember when Reed Hastings said, ah, we're not doing that anymore. We're going all streaming. And I think everyone was like, oh, you're going all streaming, but you got this great model here. But really, he looked ahead and he said, you know what? Direct mail and DVDs, that's not the technology that's going to carry. Too slow. Yeah. Too slow. It's going to be streaming. And then he got disruptive again, right? When he said, well, now we need to create content. So now we're going to be a content creator. We're not just going to be a content distributor. And so you can see for him to maintain the growth in that company, which has been phenomenal, he's had to continue to disrupt his. Yeah. So what'll be the next disruption will be interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, in the remodeling space and the home building space, what is your disruptive business? Is there one? Or if you're not sure about that particular business, are there other businesses that you could incubate within that? Let's say you're, you know, well, you know, roofing looks like it's going to be strong. <laughs> You're here, you know, in Hill Capital of the World. <laughs> you know, roofing is always super strong, but, you know, but maybe you're going to add some different divisions or other things that you could do that will help stabilize you if one of your uh, areas of expertise starts to not not do as well. So but something to think about that. I just like that concept of kind of the, the incubator, the legacy business and the disruptive business it just struck a chord with me at the time it was pretty helpful yeah, yeah i know the idea was just in talking about what we're doing you know right now with senior housing and things like that you know it's just like right there's yeah, a light what, how is that gonna is that gonna change yeah over so senior housing field and a lot of these big senior housing providers are you know or adding divisions where they're doing in-home care because they're they're seeing that oh yeah that's going to be something where so it's going to be it's it's about the care of seniors but it doesn't matter where it happens it doesn't have to be in your campus so I think yeah that, yeah can you do food delivery can you send people out that are already you know yeah that's interesting yeah and it's well just jumping back to your story brooks you know you guys basically disrupted you know the spec building with you know services right so it was remodeling yeah. and and custom um, and i know you did a handyman division handy. what's that don't forget about handyman. Handyman. Yeah, well, like the handyman division was one of the first things we started because it was low cost. You know, I could buy some used vans, I could wrap them, hire some guys. And we spent quite a bit. We probably spent three, four years trying to make that all work. And I think it very it can work very well, but it wasn't big enough for us. I mean, we just couldn't generate enough volume with it for what we wanted to do. And so we kept it for, I think we probably had it five or six years and, and it made money, but it just, didn't get the return on effort that we wanted where remodeling did. So, so would you say spread your bets? Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm a big one on that. I'm, I'm, you know, push, you know, push forward on all fronts. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Have three or four different things going and, you know, stretch yourself as a business owner. And yeah, it was very hard to be, we had four, four divisions at one time. We had remodeling, custom, handyman, spec. It was just a pain in the brain. You know, yeah, and, four and brands four, is a lot to manage. Four brands is a lot to manage, you know, four websites, all that. But we were just trying to figure out what was going to work. In retrospect, probably should have dropped spec totally. We eventually dropped custom just because it was the return on effort was low. And just we should have pushed harder with remodeling and tried to go to 20 million. But we kept probably a good idea to, to sit down there and evaluate each one of your yeah. product offerings and or services, you know, on some sort of a regular basis. So, you know, okay. Yeah, look at your contribution margin for each division and 
And uh, that's a great idea. And you can do your contribution margin by product type if you're a home builder or you can do it with as a remodeler by, hey, kitchens contribute this much and bathrooms contribute this much and try to, you know, focus that in. You could add commercial, like, or like you said, Wes, you could look at, well, yeah, would roofing or some other kind of construction related business be more profitable? So what do you, do you, either of you guys, I'll just open-ended question, think, have any ideas around what a disruptive idea would be around the remodeling space? So somebody's sitting there going, okay, heard you guys, you're saying, hey, I got to disrupt my model. Like, what are some, no bad ideas at this point, just an open brainstorm. Huh? But, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious if anything is coming top of mind for somebody listening going, okay. I want to try, like, I want to push on a couple of fronts. I know this is working well now and it probably will do well in 2021 and maybe even the next couple of years, but great time to get something else started to test. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, you don't necessarily have to go into groundbreaking new area, but let's say you're kitchen and bath focused, you know, you're totally focused on kitchen and bath. Well, is there a trend out there where you're going additions? because people are wanting to add office space or workout space or garage conversions or, you know, so you might look at where the bulk of your business is now and say, is that, is there going to be plenty of business there? Should I develop an expertise in some other angle, you know, and remodeling that maybe I'm not pushing on, or maybe it's on the technology side around how, how do we set up our, you know, how do we set up our dens and office spaces for technology? And I don't know, Brooks, do you have any ideas? Well, you know, Wes, I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the great thing about, I agree with what you're saying, and the great thing about using the internet is you can test market so much stuff. So we used to do all this stuff where we split test these ideas and we mail out, oh, these postcards say this, and these postcards say this. But now, if you said, "Hey, I, I've been reading in the in the in the magazines that you know home offices are big, you know conversion of garages are big, uh, addition whatever you, you're hearing in the buzz because all the big national companies are trying to figure stuff out too," you know just test market that with using your website, using your lead generation, see what rises to the top because it's really relatively easy and relatively inexpensive to test market different search words, different things like that. So. A buddy of mine sells sheds and they're sold as yoga studios, home offices, you know, man caves, you know, she shed, all this. And they, you can test market all that and find out, oh, well, what's, what's getting the most, the most heat on that. And then you push on that. So, and that's exactly what yeah, that's, and I did. Yeah, and I would tag onto that. Just, you can also, as you're saying that Brooks, maybe things can also go back and talk to your customers, go back Absolutely. and go, Hey, what do you, what are you liking about your space? And what are you not liking? And you know, what's changed for you? And they may not know what they need, but they know what their problems are. And yeah. then you can be creative around coming up with solutions for those problems. And then like Brooke said, you know, go out and test market that and see what kind of response you get on the internet. You know, what kind of leads you get from people who want to talk to you about that. Yeah, if you're doing the sale, selling yourself, then you just need to, what we, you know, in the sales, you call a question down, you know, kind of find out what their needs are. When people call in and they say, you know, hey, I'm, you know, thinking about doing a bathroom. It's like, well, is that really what you're looking for? Are you just calling me because I say I'm a bathroom remodeler and you need somebody to do something? And you can find out from past clients and every current lead is a great source of, 
or, you know, really, what are you trying to accomplish here? Because usually what they start with is kind of not what they really need. So by spending a little time on it, you get to the real pain point. <laughs> yeah. Brooks and I were on a call yesterday. Brooks asked a great question. It's a great one of the great sales questions, which is, uh, so we've been talking for a while. Uh, what are you not telling me? Because that's, that's where the conversation really starts. And people go, well, okay, well, the real reason I'm here is, and then the pain comes out as to what's not working for them. And, and then you can get down to a real solution from that for them. Yeah, just cut to the chase, basically. Yeah, but, that's you, know, a great cutting, you can't cut to the chase in the first no. couple minutes of a call. No, you got to build, build trust and build rapport and build, no. and so people are, are trusting that you're you're offering in their best interest. And you're not just trying to sell them. You know, no, you're really just trying to get them to think a little bit about a little bit deeper. Yeah, you know, it's used the seven whys too. When you're talking to your past customer, well, why why don't you like that? And, Oh, well, what is it specifically about that? And, you know, why, 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 why? Until you get down to the real root cause and the real pain for them. And, and then you can get some real solutions that have value for them and for you. Yeah. As you guys were talking, I just was thinking about, you're talking about talking to past customers. I'm going, gosh, it'd be so easy to send out a quick survey. How has, you know, COVID impacted how you you know, live in your home and it could have a series of questions like, what are you missing? What do you, you know, what do you wish you had all those kinds of questions? And then boom, you've immediately got that, you know, and like to your point, Brooks is super cheap, super quick to test with the internet. And you don't even have to develop the service yet. You can just put it on your website and see if you're getting interest for it and, you know, pay for keywords and test subject lines. And if you get enough people asking, you go, oh, maybe there's something here. <laughs> and if you don't, then ignore it. <laughs> and then the other thing you do is you can put on there, hey, would you be willing to, you know, spend five minutes talking to the owner of the company? He's really curious about what, you know, what's going on in the, you know, in housing or in the industry or what people are really looking for. You'll get a few people, you know, I'd always check that. Sure, I'll talk to somebody. Yeah, what the yeah, heck? yeah. I'll give my two cents. <laughs> I'll give my two cents. Somebody's asking. But um, to get a little Zoom, Zoom focus session, right? Yeah. Well, cool. Well, those are those are good ideas. Yeah, I think for for those of you listening and looking at maybe uh, the start of a good year, I've talked to a lot of people that already have Q1 booked and some people even further. And so great time to get started on some of these activities. But yeah, I think for uh, for today, you know, just kind of wanted to go back and recount kind of the early innings of how we all kind of experienced, you know, that kind of 07 to, you know, 2012 or whatever it was, kind of the the beginnings of social media and the changing of marketing, but how you guys pivoted your businesses too. Brooks, any any final thoughts as we wrap today's conversation? Just a trail of tears, Spence. Just a trail of tears. <laughs> Things I could have done differently, you know. <laughs> I guess I would say yes. I agree with Wes, which is, you know, keep your head up, keep your eyes up, be looking out on the horizon, trying to figure out what's going on. As difficult as that is for all of us when you're just mired in the shit, you know, day to day. And that's yeah. just what you do, you know? So, yeah. So. In, in football terms, we'd say head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> where, where am I going to get hit from, right? Yeah, oh, right. Man. I, I always think of this one shot that I took and I never forgot to have my head on a swivel after that. that <laughs> yeah. How about you, Wes? Final, final thoughts? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that uh, this morning and preparation for our talk today and definitely on my list i had six items sorry but uh the first one was what brooks brought up which is about 
you know, change is constant. Keep your head up, you know, no head in the sand. But I think also one thing that's I've realized is that branding, you know, through that experience of changing from company name and what we offer and so on, it became very apparent to me that branding is super important. So if you've done a good job building your brand, that uh, can be a positive and a negative. It's positive in that people know exactly what you do, but they're not going to accept you doing something else. So, and then we found that in direct mail trying to sell right. social media services. So if you have a super strong brand and say remodeling and you're going, yeah, I really want to try roofing, then I would recommend do it under a different brand yeah. and develop that brand. And don't just try to say, hey, now we're XYZ remodeling and roofing. And Brooks, I think you encountered that a little bit. Homes and remodeling, trying to yeah. put that all under the same brand umbrella. So that's number one. Certainly the thing we talked about would change. I think number three, though, is mitigate the risk of change. And so that's really back to that idea of what is working. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, if you're going to make a big change, do what you can to take as much risk out of that change as possible. Make the change, but try to take risk out of it. How can you do that? Build on what you know. So, you know, if you look at Builder Funnel, what we, what we knew was building. You know, we had a background in building, remodeling, so on and so forth. And so we eventually went from just offering social media services and lead generation to all types of companies going, no, we're really, this is what we know. We're going to develop our expertise even further in this area. And so I think, look at your skill stack, what you have that you do well. Hey, I play, play the piano and I'm a lawyer. So I'm going to provide legal services to uh, concert pianists. <laughs> but, you know, so how are you going to do that? You know, so look at your skill stack and see what you can build on that you already have. And then I think the last thing is just be a learner, you know, like the Bill Gates example that Brooks brought up, just read, 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 talk to people, think, and uh, try to learn from what other people have very generously put out there to help you learn from their mistakes and, and um, try to benefit from it. That's it. That's, that's it. A, g- a good, good way to wrap it up. And, uh, and my, my final call to action would be, Hey, if you've ever gotten any any value out of the podcast or the content that we create, a great birthday present would be going to uh-huh. remodelermarketingblueprint.com and pick up a copy of the book. I put a lot of time and effort into that last year, and it really is just kind of like a, a compilation of everything that we learned, starting with Brooks's company, all the mistakes we made, tried to you know cut those out and just cut to to what's working today after many many iterations and evolutions of that. So. Uh, I think it's like 16 bucks on Amazon, but uh, we're doing some cool book bonuses. If you, even if you buy one copy, there's some, some bonuses. And then if you want to pick up some for your friends, there's some more, more goodies. So remodelermarketingblueprint.com. Yeah, I just finished mine. So uh, it's a good read. So there's your, you know, there's a plug. <laughs> yeah. Wes got an advanced copy. Brooks, yours, yeah, well, is, yours is heading your way. Yours, we had to mail yours, you know, Wes, yeah, I could I'm just, fine. you know, here you go. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, but I'll go. I'm, I'm hoping it's a signed edition, you know, that I won't it is, it is. Yes. For you guys got some signed copies. So <laughs> no, but uh, thanks guys for listening. Hopefully this was a, a good conversation and sparked some ideas, especially around disrupting your business or innovating, at least as we head into 2021. And we'll see you back here next week on building a family business on Builder Funnel Radio. 